Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, we've got just a, a wonderful show. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Um, Mohamed Yasmin is in the, Yasin is in the, Absolutely. and I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to call him Mohamed. That works. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I'm going to come back and have you tell folks a little bit about what you do, but first, good morning, Allison. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. As always, Allison is monitoring the Twitter stream, and so if you've got comments, um, feel free to tag them with an MTFW, and we'll find you, or you can call in with questions at 805-285-9865. Okay, starting off, Mohammed, who are you? What do you do? All right, um, well, I work for a travel medical insurance company called HCCMIS. That's HCCMIS.com. Um, we work in health insurance, but it's health insurance specifically for people that are traveling or working, living away from their home country. So it could be uh, someone going for spring break down to Cabo. So one thing they don't realize when they're going down there is made all these plans for travel, but if you get sick down there, might not have any insurance coverage because generally your health insurance doesn't follow you outside of your country. Wow. So I had a spring break in Cabo. I would love to go too. <laughs> that would be very fun. Um, yeah. But you, um, you guys provide the insurance, but consumers don't work directly with you. They do both. We do have a, a very large um, network of uh, independent insurance brokers that sell our product along with you know, other things they might be offering. And then we do some direct-to-consumer things as well at our website. Uh, and then we maintain a lot of social channels for um, lead generation and brand awareness as well. Awesome. That's social commerce. And that's really um, what today's show is going to be about is really um, because insurance is one of those industries where it is highly, highly regulated. Absolutely. And so there are lots and lots of rules about what you can and can't say. And very often when I work with small businesses in these fields, they're just like, I can't do social media. There are too many rules. Right. But you do. Well, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the challenges that we've, we've faced over the past several years as we worked through Twitter and then Facebook and YouTube, et cetera, is how do you uh, develop content on an ongoing basis that still meets compliance guidelines? So for us in an insurance company, we have several layers of, of, of uh, approvals. Mm -hmm. You know, a tweet, a tweet. I will create a tweet. That tweet will go through editorial review. It will go through compliance review. It will go through legal review, and then it will go live. Oh my God! Every single tweet has to go through these. Sometimes a little bit extra um, as well, depending on if there's extra stakeholders involved with it. Um, but we, we've definitely developed some processes over the past few years that make it work for us. Okay, so let's let's start with Twitter because you brought that one up. Um, and I think a lot of what you're talking about is going to be applicable to, to lawyers, to financial planners, to anyone who's dealing in that um, regulated industry. How do you construct tweets that can move through that approval process? Because clearly you've learned what works and what doesn't work. What are some of the tips specifically for Twitter? Well, that probably actually back up a, a, a bit on the Twitter thing. The, the first thing you have to realize or understand is what is your message as a brand in general? Because whether you're using Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, all those items should align with your brand message. And that's something that you should be working through you know, with your 
stakeholders in that company. Um, once you've figured that out, then you can start deciding, okay, what are the topics I'm going to speak about, speak through, you know, your compliance department, your lawyers, et cetera, make sure they're comfortable with those topics. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you uh, start creating content for those topics, ensuring that you either have some guidelines from your compliance department saying, okay, you can talk about these areas. Like I know mm -hmm. there's some companies in town that do that. Or if you're approving every single message, making sure you have clearly outlined kind of workflows mm -hmm. and ex expectations for how you're going to create content, who's going to approve that content, and what those time frames are going to be for that approval as well. So for your tweets that have to go through multi-layers, how long from the moment you have an idea, how long does it take to get that brainstorm well, you know, I, I mean, that, it, it depends. It depends. I mean, there can be something that's very minor, maybe just a, a travel tip that we're sharing. And those things, it doesn't really matter if it goes out in a couple of hours. It can go out the next day. It's, it's evergreen content. That's another thing to really focus on as well when you're in a regulated environment is creating a lot of evergreen content so you can have it approved once and you can use it again later down the road. Um, but then you do have things that you have to respond to. Or, you know, we're in the travel industry, so there are can be uh, very pressing news around the world that we need to get out to our members. And in those situations, I mean, it can be as short as 15 minutes before I get a tweet out. But there's that expectation, this is an emergency. We have to get this out to our members. So I think one of the real takeaways is if you're in a regulated industry, it, planning on, there, there's more planning around social media than um, if you're in a restaurant or some of these other where you can just kind of be flipping on the fly. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, th th there still has to be a little bit of that element of um, being just spontaneous mm -hmm. um, to the extent you can be, mm -hmm. but you do have to build it on the basis of a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that for regulated industries, everyone in those industries will be very familiar with the idea of planning things in general, of being very thoughtful about things. So we'll, we'll plan you know, some types of content up to a year in advance. We know there's going to be a Thanksgiving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we know Christmas is going to come around. We know Halloween is going to come around. We know some of these other, you know, uh, kind of federal holidays are going to come around. Why not plan that content and go ahead and get it queued up, uh, you know, a year in advance? Um, <clears throat> or, or heavy travel seasons. We know that during the summer there's a lot of people and families traveling for vacations. Why not start thinking about that content a couple of months in advance, just like you might in a traditional newspaper or magazine where you're working even a season advance sometimes. You know, and we um, uh, we worked for worked with several different companies in this type of industry, and um, it is kind of fun. It's a little weird because you you sort of work out of sync. You know, you're um, there's snow on the ground, and you you're having to channel your your summer vacation. <laughs> right. um, but it is really nice when those events come up. I think the the challenge is um, going back goes live. Absolutely. We've got a question. We do have a question from the always questioning Robbie Slaughter. Good morning, Robbie. Morning, Robbie. Robbie wants to know why you think so many more of these regulations are needed in the insurance industry versus the restaurant industry that you described. Are these federal laws? Is this just how your company operates? What's the rationale? Well, and, and Robbie, you kind of you brought up the, the correlation of, our, of restaurants versus maybe, let's say, a finance company. All right. Um, restaurant, you have maybe health codes, things like that you have to worry about within the, within the restaurant. Not necessarily so many federal, state, county 
laws around what kind of content you're putting out. Then you talk about a finance company who may be giving some sort of finance uh, advice. There's a lot of federal regulation, a lot of state regulation, a lot of county regulations, and then on top of that, even the internal um, company regulations around making sure that you are being kind of a responsible citizen in that finance or insurance or whatever other industry it may be. So yes, it, it's more than just the the internal um, kind of boundaries and guidelines you may have. There are federal guidelines around a lot of these things as well, and that's why it's important we kind of have those lawyers there to help us navigate those sort of. Uh, Content. I mean, I do think the idea of planning ahead and, and having evergreen content can work for any business. Absolutely. I, I just think it, it Twitter can't work in Twitter can be your industries. Twitter can be challenging. Done. And, you know, there, there's the evergreen content that you're pushing out, but then there's also you have to really know your audience as well and what types of questions they may ask. So another thing we, we really lean on uh, when it comes to Twitter is, We've had, you know, the traditional customer service call centers for a long time, and I have a call center background as well. One of the things you do in a call center is you focus on scripting uh, conversations because you know a person calls and they're going to ask X question. What's the answer to that question? If you know you're going to have 20,000 people asking a question, you might as well write the answer or write, you know, 20, 30 different variations of that answer, and then you get these scripts approved through those different um, channels. And fill in the names. And so fill in the dates. So those, those sorts of things. So you can respond in real time to what people need to um, be conversed with. So when questions come across, you have this library of uh, frequently asked questions and already approved answers, but exactly. you can do it real time. Very cool. Um, okay, we've talked a lot about Twitter. Um, I do want to switch over, though, and I want to talk um, Facebook. What's different? for your business or for any regulated industry, Twitter versus Facebook? Well, Facebook, uh, Twitter is a, is a much more conversational um, platform when it comes to brands and individuals. Facebook, for a brand, does not generally behave in that way. Um, people will follow Facebook pages to get information. It's more of almost watching a TV channel. They want to receive information. So for us, we push out a lot of information about travel tips, travel news, travel stories from our customers, um, and then also you know, information about why it's important to have our product. And then we cultivate uh, a community where within that page, the individuals can converse with one another and share information as well. And we jump in as needed or um, as they ask questions to us. It's more of a community that you're building on Facebook versus on Twitter, where it's more of a kind of a one-to-one -one communication. Cool. Ultimate goal for Twitter or Facebook, what are your objectives in a regulated industry? What are reasonable objectives um, and outcomes from your social media? Well, I think you should be um, looking at two things. One of them is a support, and one of them is the final goal. The support thing is building brand recognition. Right, brand recognition and awareness. I'd say those those sorts of things, and then the you know big thing is lead generation in general. Right, so as you're getting this great follower base, so like for HCC, you know, across all of our different channels, YouTube, Facebook, etc., we have about seventy thousand people following us. About fifty thousand people of those people on Facebook alone through our Facebook communities. Um, but you know, then the question comes: How do you translate those followers into leads? Not only just themselves buying product, but also then becoming brand advocates that cause other people to convert. 
you know, really that's not, that strategy is not all that different from what marketing strategies were 25 and 30 years no, ago. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that, you know, people, uh, when you look at, at, at social or any of these new media concepts, they say, okay, well, this is something brand new. I have to figure this out. And there is some figuring out to do. It's a different channel. It's a different mm -hmm. community. But everything should be. Your social uh, uh, strategy should be based on what your marketing strategy is, not necessarily the other way around. Right. So it's a different way of communicating your marketing strategy that you already have. Mm -hmm. um, okay, how about YouTube? How do you use uh, or how should your agents use YouTube? Well, for us, the approach we take, because you know, we're in insurance, we have a, it's probably one of the most boring that <laughs> possibly have to market. <laughs> Uh, I spent two years in insurance, but I spent 11 years in HVAC. Trust oh, wow. Me, um, it's a tough call between, <laughs> between annuities and air filters. So, we have a challenge. For both, I vote insurance is actually more interesting than HVAC. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm lucky. I can have a um, you know, it can, be, it can be challenging to come up with content that people want to really read about and, you know, share. Um, so for YouTube, YouTube, one of the things we really focused in on was sharing lots of tips related to what our consumers wanted. So our consumers are travelers. We share information related to travel. A lot of travel tips. Um, that YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash HCCMIS. The first video you'll see right there on the front page is a video about how to travel with your camera. Oh, nice. Or one of our other most popular videos is how to fly with toddlers. Oh, gosh. Right? Yeah. It's kind of, it, 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 it's related to the travel, and it's also related to the people that will need our product. So while they are viewing those videos, we can then present the product to them. You know, that, that, that uh, strategy of looking at your customer as a three-dimensional human being, not just someone who buys insurance, but someone who, right after they're done buying insurance, is going to buy a suitcase or right. a book for their kids or um, a new camera. I mean, and recognizing that you have more opportunity for conversations if you can be a little bit more three-dimensional is awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, it's been huge. One of the first videos we put out was um, last summer, and it was uh, a, a video about how to pack a suitcase for a business trip. Right. Oh, I need to go look at that. Yes, it was actually, it, it was selfishly something that I, every time I pack a suitcase for a business trip, I'm like, okay, what, I know I just did this last month, but what do I put in now? And I ended up Googling it. So I said, because you know, we're going to create a video. So, you know, we um, met with someone local, Chuck Ghost, mm -hmm. who is on the road a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, he can be on the road three, four days a week sometimes. Um, and had him just shoot a video talking with us about what he puts in his suitcase why, and why. Mm -hmm. And that video, even now, you know, six, seven months later, is one of the top videos on YouTube for how to pack a suitcase. Cool. Perfect aligns ex exactly with our uh, target demographics. I mean, and that's, you know, um, it, it's sort of this idea that um, if you are an interesting person, people will want to hang out with you. Um, if you have kind of this range of trivia on wide range of topics, that's why we keep Allison around. She's just got the strangest knowledge. Um, but, um, but it is. It, it, it's, 
uh, they come to you for the other things that you know, and then you earn the right to to sell them or at least introduce them to your product. No, absolutely. From 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 a social perspective, a lot of our um, strategy is really built on this concept of old school communications and values. That whole idea of you know a hundred years ago where people would all meet at the uh, you know the the, the store, mm-hmm. the, kind of the general store, and they talk. They converse about what was going on with their families and maybe talk about, you know, some new pair of boots that came in that worked out for everybody. Yep. I mean, that same idea of participating in that conversation around the pickle barrel or around the water cooler um, and being a part of the community versus speaking at the community. Cool. Meeting our customers where they want to be communicated at versus trying to pull them to us instead. So, you've been doing this for a while. What's the thing that surprised you the most either because it really worked or it really didn't work? Wow. Um, okay, so there's a, definitely been one uh, big promotion we did last year that we put a lot of time into. Um, that we had a lot of kind of trepidation internally about it and had some questions externally as we started pushing it out as well, but it ended up getting us immense exposure, which just raised the awareness of our brand, and that was the zombie infographic that we did. It was a guide to zombie survival promotion that we did <laughs> leading up to Halloween. So just in case you're traveling somewhere where there's already zombies, really, it was it was kind of a it was a, a very timely mm-hmm. topic, and also kind of a really fun quirky way of looking at health and wellness in general. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was built on as the CDC, uh, Centers for Disease Control, did their zombie promotion early last year. Went over very well, got them some great brand awareness. We did something a little bit more. Um, so we had a lot about zombie personas and if you were a clown zombie, what kind of person were you? That sort of thing. Um, went into the actual zombie bite and how it transforms you. And then we had another section at the bottom, which was really more so talking about the kit, what you needed to get together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, uh, those things actually align very much so with the things you need to do when you're preparing for travel in general, making sure you have all your identification papers, making sure you're packing certain items with you, um, carrying medications that you need to have during that trip, all those sorts of things were the same types of things that we could then continue to spin off of during the year from a travel perspective. Yeah. This was one that was more a little bit fun, pushed it out there, got some awareness around us, and then also something that we talked about our brand as we were speaking about that uh, promotion. I think that's probably one of my favorite examples of having fun in a regulated industry. I think there's this perception that because there are so many laws, you have to be serious, and it's totally not the case. Oh, there's always a way to invest, you know, inject a little fun into it. Um, I, my two years in insurance, um, I was at Conseco, and our advertising was, I mean, it was probably the only thing in that company that worked at the time. Um, but, you know, it was it was very unexpected, and I think that the whole thing, the, the zombie thing, people would just not expect an well, insurance company to be talking about. It caught off guard, but at the same time, what it ended up doing was on the tail end, raise a lot more awareness about the other types of promotions in the graphics we release, which tend to be a little bit closer to our um, target market. Okay. okay. Alice has a question. Alice, what do you got? Oh, Robbie has another question. I'm really Hello, Robbie, through which he <laughs> um, Robbie wants to know if because that zombie promotion, while it does have some tiebacks to insurance, it's kind of a little out of left field, does that mess up your SEO and kind of confuse what you're about? 
Well, you have to be very careful when you are creating any type of content. And, you know, the zombie infographic, while it was from a very high level, a little bit separated from our core uh, brand message, there was a lot um, on the back end in that promotion that was directly tied back to our actual core products. And what we actually saw out of that promotion was that some of our core products ended up getting a lot more um, visibility, mm-hmm. a lot more visibility, a lot more conversion. So I say no, in the long term, it did not hurt us. No, that was one of the reasons that we were uh, had a little bit of trepidation about it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But we, because of that, planned for it very well and ended up converting. And actually, one example of that um, from, the, from the infographic perspective is when we do promotions now, they tend to spread a lot quicker. I was actually speaking with someone yesterday whose um, aunt is, you know, retired. She's classified as a snowbird. You know, she, she's actually in Florida right now. Um, and he had spoken to her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, he, he saw her on Facebook because she's very active on Facebook. She had shared an infographic that was about the top snowbird destinations around the world, where that was in the United States and Europe, et cetera. And he looked at it, and he was like, he realized that has our brand at the bottom. He's like, Grandma, like, or, or, I'm a grandma, whatever. He's like, where did you get this? He's like, oh, I don't remember, but I just thought it was really cool. And it turned out to be an infographic that we released since the zombie one. It was actually the, the, the second one following that was one target to the snowbird community, and it was an infographic about the different destinations. And she had found it through her network, mm-hmm. which is perfect, perfect I mean, infographic, and then she spread that out. Mm-hmm. It was it – was, Maybe very happy. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's one of the things is, is why you fight so hard as, as a blogger to build a subscription base and why you want followers um, because although they may not be interested in every single thing that you do, if you put something out there and more people share it, they come to you, the next time you've just got more channels. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also important to realize that you know, that, that was – that's by far probably one of the most successful infographics we had last year. But it's also one of maybe 12 we put out over the past 12, 13 months or so. Yeah. So it wasn't like the, the, the bulk of it. And people end up looking at that and then going to the other ones as well. Because they want to see what else you have to exactly. say. Okay, we have a little bit of time. Um, what are you telling your agents to do with G+. Ooh, good question. Uh, we, I was actually just talking to one of the agents yesterday, and you know, one of the things that they were saying was, well, we understand it's out there. We've seen the commercials. We keep seeing it popping up everywhere. We logged on to it, and we don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't understand why we have to have another channel. And what I told them was, yes, it's still definitely in its infancy, um, but it has some immense opportunity from Google's perspective, and it's something that you, whether you like it or not, have to get involved in. You have to create an account. You have to start getting active, start building your circles now because down the road it's going to become very important. So as you're looking at it, because we're wrestling, you know, with it as well, um, personal page or company page, where do you think the action is? I mean, for, for a, a small insurance agent or a company like us, um, am I going to get more interaction if Lorraine Ball shares links to Roundpeg blog? or if Roundpeg tries to share content out? It all depends. It all depends. Um, from the individual uh, profile perspective, it's a lot easier to develop a network because you can just find people that suggest people mm-hmm. for you to follow. You can circle them all day long. 
inevitably some of those people are going to circle you back, mm -hmm. and they're going to start following your content as well. Um, from the company page perspective, though, you don't have that ability. You can only follow people who have already found and followed you. Or other pages. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's very important that you create, just like anywhere else, but probably even more so on Google+, Plus. really important that you create very rich, meaningful content that people will want to share and want to follow you because of. Cool. Good advice. Okay, we've got just a few minutes. Allison, any last questions lingering in, in your mind? Well, something that we were talking about briefly just to bring up another new social network that's become a hot player, Pinterest. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about that. So Pinterest is uh, basically what I would classify as the old 1980s dream boards. <laughs> <laughs> You have a nice bulletin board, and you get some nice pictures and cuts them out of magazines, and you kind of like just paste it all up there, and it shows kind of who you are as an individual, what your dreams are, et cetera. Um, still in a beta mode, so it's invite only. Um, I joined it about a year, year and a half goes very early on because um, an a acquaintance of mine who is in the makeup industry loved it and said, you have to look at this. This is this is." This is awesome. Um, and it does still have, first, from a personal perspective, I loved it. Okay, I'm going to use this. I share stuff all day long on that. Yes, but then yes. I started saying, okay, how am I going to use this from a business perspective? And one of the things that I really found from Pinterest was that they loved um, sharing destination photos and that sort of thing. And that's something that we do all day long. So it just it aligned perfectly for us. Oh, yeah. I'll say that's actually one of my favorite things to do on um, on Pinterest. I actually have a board called Aspiration that is just pictures of places that I want to go at some point. And that's a very common board amongst many profiles on Pinterest. Yeah, I mean, that's not one. Pinterest sometimes gets a rap as being a girly social network that is just for women who want to learn how to make new recipes and do crafts. I think that's nonsense. But that's a different show, but travel hits every time. It does, it does. And, I'm, and, and Pinterest is not going to be the, the network for everyone. It really isn't. There are going to be some that it works very well for. There going to be some that it doesn't make too much sense for. Like, it's the same thing for any of the other ones. LinkedIn, for example. For a B2B company, LinkedIn, perfect place to be. Mm -hmm. For someone that's purely B2C, might not be the best place for you to be spending your time at. Yeah, it's kind of like um, uh, when I was doing face-to-face -face networking, there was a group that I used to belong to that initially was all B2B, and, and that was the expectation. When you came into the room, um, everybody there was were business to business, and you were really looking to make more connections where you could just refer my clients to your clients' strategic relationships. And as the group grew, you got a lot of people that were more B2C joining right. the group, and then they walked into the room and viewed everybody as a potential customer. Exactly. And I didn't want to buy healthy chocolate, and I wasn't interested in Mary Kay um, cosmetics at that moment. And so it, it sort of, it, it, it kind of changed the nature of the group. I think LinkedIn has, uh, has maintained that B2B focus, and when I get a conversation that is more of that B2C you're trying to sell to me, I don't unfollow a lot of people, but I unfollow you. It can be, it, is, it comes back to that strategy. You have to be very mindful about, with my message, what are the best channels for me to, to release my content in. Cool. Other questions? No, we're good. We are good. We are almost out of time. So, people want to find you, Sloan by. Yes, it has. I really appreciate you having me. Um, if you want to find me, um, personally, I am definitely on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, probably the best place to start is going to be MuhammadYasin.com. It's M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D-Y-A-S-I-N. Sorry about my name being so long, but it is what it is.
MohammedYasin.com. All right. Um, from a company perspective, which I definitely would encourage you to visit our you know, YouTube pages, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, you can find all those at HCCMIS. That's HCCMIS. So Facebook.com slash HCCMIS, YouTube.com slash HCCMIS, Twitter, etc., etc. And also be sure, of course, to visit HCCMIS.com, especially if you are in the planning mode for your um, spring or summer travel. Um, definitely something that I would recommend looking into. Awesome. Uh, this is really great. Um, you will be able to um, find, uh, we'll have links um, on our blog post as well so people will be able to make the, the connection there. And so if you've enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about networking, social media, marketing, and from time to time what's going on in Indie, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.